0: to originate keep rising even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd and this is The Daily Download. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview that features Dana Wade, Housing Commissioner for the Federal Housing Administration and the Assistant Secretary for Housing at the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. In today's interview, the commissioner discusses the administration's newly released annual report, which is an analysis of the financial status of the Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund for fiscal year 2020. This year, the annual report analyzes the unique challenges faced by the nation as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, without further ado, here's today's exclusive interview. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. Today I'm joined with Dana Wade, a Federal Housing Commissioner for the Federal Housing Administration and Assistant Secretary for Housing at the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Thank you for joining us on the Daily Download. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. Listeners, today the commissioner will be speaking to us about the administration's newly released annual report, which is an analysis of the financial status of the Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund for fiscal year 2020. The annual report analyzes the unique challenges faced by the nation as a result of the COVID 19 pandemic. Dana, before we get into the bulk of this report, can you tell us a little bit more about it?
1: Yes, and uh, thank you for the, the question. Uh, this is a report that comes once a year. It's kind of like the Super Bowl for FHA, or at least for those nerdy enough to pay attention to this. Um, it is where FHA releases its capital ratio, meaning what is the economic value of FHA as a percentage of the insurance in force, so the total insurance on the books. Uh, this is something that is required by the law, and uh, it is in the National Housing Act. It is something that Congress pays attention to, that the public also pays a lot of attention to, because it is, it is their money, uh, the taxpayers, that stands behind this. Thank
0: you for answering that. And let's move on to the report itself. According to data from the FHA, the mutual mortgage insurance fund capital ratio increased to 6.1% in September, representing an increase of 1.26 percentage points from the 4.84% seen in 2019. In case anyone listening to this interview isn't familiar with the fund, can you please explain what it measures and what this percentage means for the overall health of the mortgage market?
1: You know, I think that is an excellent question because although this year uh, with the COVID-19 global pandemic has been uncertain, it is we have faced um, novel challenges. Uh, the housing market and, and a lot of the fundamentals in the housing market Remain strong. Uh, you know, I think an example of that is the capital ratio, the amount of capital that FHA has been able to uh, put away as as projected. Um, and what largely is driving the six point one percent? And I will add that that is that is more than it was last year. The level last year was four point eight four percent. Again, it's the economic net worth or the value of of FHA as a percentage of insurance in force. Um, and it's the statutory level, so the minimum is two percent. So we're well above that. But what is driving that 6.1 uh, percent is is really kind of the robustness of uh, of housing values and the growth in house price appreciation, which has been a bright spot uh, in in, uh, in this year's economy. I think the mortgage market overall has been a bright spot, and I think the fact that that homeowners are seeing um, so much equity appreciation is great for them it 's also been great for FHA um, but I will say that it aside from besides house price appreciation, we also made some really good calls at the beginning of this administration to um, ensure that the premiums were at the right level to build capital we did not bring them down as a result we have capital to face these challenges and these uncertainties uh, we did a lot of things also to uh, put in place needed fiscal reforms for the reverse mortgage portfolio which is also part of this you have the forward mortgages and the reverse mortgages and I think a lot of that if you take all the actions that we've that we have put in place, and put them all together, um, it's really had a positive impact on the capitalization of the fund, which is a great thing for taxpayers, again, who stand behind FHA. And you know, I think capital during this time is particularly important because while we um, you know, are doing our best to meet the challenges of the, the global pandemic, we don't totally know what is around the corner. And that's why you need these reserves to provide a buffer between FHA and taxpayers. And, uh, and so I feel uh, you know very proud of the work we've done and I'm very, very happy that capital is is where it is. You know, we need to remain vigilant. But I think overall this is a good thing for FHA.
0: All right. To pick up on our last question, a little bit about what you answered, I wanna focus on something head on, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Mm-hmm. We already touched on this a bit, Mm -hmm. but as you know, throughout this unprecedented time, the FHA has assisted homeowners implementing a foreclosure and eviction moratorium and offering forbearance and other forms of support. Can we discuss uh, the FHA's efforts and how this pandemic has impacted lending?
1: Yes, and I am glad you asked that question. And I think, you know, first of all, um, out of the gate, uh, when it comes to COVID and responding to that, you know HUD has had as an agency a very strong response. A lot of that is driven by by Secretary Carson and by his desire to ensure that you know no one who is facing COVID related hardships, whether you be a homeowner or a renter, and those are through no fault of of their own, uh, that no one um, you know gets into trouble, can't pay their mortgage, that we're providing the assistance. That we can. And so we acted very early on. And actually, we've gotten some pretty positive feedback uh, from the housing industry, but we acted very early on to make sure that, that borrowers, that SHA borrowers have the necessary tools in place. In fact, we actually um, put out a policy to provide forbearance, as well as a foreclosure moratorium before the CARES Act, the COVID-related uh, statute, uh, COVID assistance that Congress passed before that even came out. So we we had already had forbearance. Um, we'd already had a foreclosure moratorium. We also were really working hard to make sure that borrowers coming out of forbearance had plenty of options to try to get back on track. And I think one of the things that was particularly alarming for a lot of consumers out there is they were hearing, "You come out of forbearance, you are going to have a lot of, you're going to have a big lump sum payment for the missed." Um, the arrearages that you're building up. And that's simply not the case. We worked really hard to dispel that and also put in place a policy that would allow borrowers to take a standalone partial claim uh, in order to handle those uh, those missed mortgage payments. So that has actually been our uh, most popular um, uh, COVID-related measure in terms of uh, borrower um, usage. Uh, We also have deeper assistance um, and we have an array of options, including loan modification, uh, loan modification that's rate and term that's combined with a partial payment of claim. So we hope that through that, you know, that array, that array of options, borrowers will feel the confident that they they can confidently come out of forbearance. They will feel like they have enough options in front of them, you know, in order to help them get back on their feet. Um, now, in terms of the housing market overall, as I said, it's it's overall, um, you know, very strong, very robust. Uh, we have, due to, you know, I believe what I've heard from, you know, the private uh, mortgage industry is that, it, due to kind of the heightened risk around COVID and and the need to kind of build their own capital, uh, they did put in place some credit overlays, and so we are seeing that come through. We've seen we've seen improvements in the credit quality of FHA's book, which is a good thing, I think overall. Um, I, I will say that we have not seen that hamper credit availability. In fact, we, as, as you know, have grown uh, over the past year. We've, we've continued to provide, you know, record uh, percentage of loans to first-time home buyers. We are very strong in providing credit opportunities to minority borrowers. So, you know, we feel like we've grown. Um, but I think, you know, just in terms of, of, of when you look at the credit market overall, there has been a little bit of tightening. You know, we all know that COVID is temporary. Temporary. I expect that that will reverse, um, you know, as soon as we get out of this pandemic.
0: Thanks, Dana. As you talk about the efforts the FHA has put in place for struggling borrowers, I'd like to switch gears and talk about how this pandemic has specifically impacted the nation's low to moderate income earners. A lot of data we're seeing indicates this pandemic has locked a lot of first-time buyers out of the market. However, according to FHA's annual report, the percent of Ford mortgages insured for first-time homebuyers, which has historically dominated FHA's Purchase Transaction Insurance Program, reached a new high of 83.1% in 2020. Can you tell us how this happened and why?
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's, I mean, it is a good thing. I think, again, it is because a lot of borrowers and maybe a lot of folks who who were renters before and thinking, now is the time to move into an area where I have a backyard or more space. Um, I'm spending a lot of time at home. I think a lot of those borrowers, low to moderate income who may not have the traditional down payment have turned to FHA. And it is a good thing that our our share of first-time home buyers has grown. This is our bread and butter. And I think we're really proud of those numbers. But but again, this is precisely why FHA exists. So that we are there during, you know, challenging times, during times where there may be more. Uncertainty in the private markets. We play kind of a countercyclical role, and uh, and so I just think a lot of borrowers have turned to to FHA uh, to get them um, up and running on a, on a mortgage, and you know to start building wealth and equity, which is overall a very good thing.
0: Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm uh, interested in seeing how these numbers climb in uh, 2021. All right, Dana, I want to wrap this interview by discussing what's ahead for FHA in 2021.
1: Right, and I think. The key for, for what is, hap- is going to happen over the next couple months is to ensure that SHA is there to service the loans that are coming out of forbearance. You know, again, we have, um, we've got about 10% of the portfolio in forbearance. So that means they're not making mortgage payments and they're allowed to do so, do that under the law uh, for up to a year. So there will be borrowers who are rolling out of that and, again, need the options to get back on their feet. Um, We've got about an 11.5% rate of serious delinquencies, um, which are loans that are, um, you know, a couple months overdue. Uh, We we have to continue, FHA has to continue to focus on that population of borrowers and making sure that these loans can be serviced and that borrowers can, uh, as many borrowers as possible, can be cured. And can stay in their home and, you know, can, again, get whatever assistance is needed to, uh, you know, sustain mortgage payments. I think that's going to be the focus. It's really servicing these folks. You know, a lot of that depends on the economic environment and, you know, things like um, the job market. And, you know, other factors, including potentially um, additional um, COVID related stimulus from Congress. But, but I'll tell you, um, you know, it's really FHH to be laser focused. That's the best thing for the borrowers that it serves, who you are right are more disproportionately hit by COVID than, than conforming borrowers. But it's also the best thing for taxpayers and for, you know, the solvency of the fund and kind of, you know, ensuring that FHA uh, continues to operate and and does not take heavy losses, but uh, but I expect that you know again with COVID being temporary, I think there are a lot of a lot of reasons to be hopeful, and uh, FHA certainly has a lot of work ahead of it, but I'm I'm very uh, positive about the future. All
0: right, well, Dana, thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Download and providing us an in-depth analysis
1: of this report. Excellent. Thank you for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the daily download today. And I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. And if you haven't already, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on the podcast so you don't miss out on the news of the day. And with that, that's a wrap on today's podcast episode. Catch everyone here again on Monday.